Hello everyone and welcome back to Let's Talk About Science. This will be my first episode for 2022, but it was very much delayed. It's like the third month, so um, I'm very sorry. I did overestimate the time I had and I did get COVID, so that delayed it even further. But anyways, today we'll be talking about angiosperms, or better known as flowers or flowering plants. The episode will mainly summarize what angiosperms are, with a definition, as usual, how they reproduce, obtain nutrients, what conditions they enjoy living in, their importance, how they interact with others, some interesting species that are angiosperms, fascinating slash fun facts about angiosperms, and their main competitors. So starting off with the usual, I will define the terms flower and angiosperm. A flower is the seed-bearing part of a plant, consisting of reproductive organs, stamens, and carpels. They are typically surrounded by a brightly colored corolla, which are petals, and a green calyx, sepals. And the definition of an angiosperm is a plant that has flowers and produces seeds enclosed within a carpel. The angiosperms are a large group and include herbaceous plants, shrubs, grasses, and most trees. On to reproduction. Angiosperms reproduce sexually. This means that two parents are needed to create a new angiosperm, and both of their DNA is required. Angiosperms are equipped with male and female cells. These are called gametes. The genes from the two types of gametes are combined to create offspring. Angiosperms reproduce this way using pollination, something you probably have heard of. I would hope so. As mentioned previously, Flowers contain stamens. These are the male sex organs of the plant. The female counterparts are pistils, just for further reference. Anyways, in these stamens, there is something called an anther. This is part of the stamen that contains pollen. In order to create a new plant, the pollen needs to be moved from to the stigma, a part of the pistil. There are two types of pollination, cross-pollination and self-pollination. Self-pollination occurs when a plant's own pollen fertilizes its own ovals. Cross-pollination is when a wind or animals move pollen from one plant to another's ovals. The pollen is carried by pollinators, like bees. After the process of pollination comes the process of fertilization. This is when the pollen fertilizes an egg in the stigma. An egg of a plant is also known as an ovale. Of course, this is just a very short summary on how angiosperms reproduce, because it's way more complex than this. Obtaining nutrients is another very important part in the survival of angiosperms. This is our next topic of discussion. You probably, and again, hopefully know that angiosperms and all other plants use a process called photosynthesis to create their own food. This is a word I rarely pronounced properly. Anyways, this process uses a combination of sunlight, carbon dioxide, and water to create glucose sugar. This type of sugar gives the plant energy. Now, how do plants extract the sunlight, carbon dioxide, and water from their environments? For starters, the plant's leaves absorb energy from the sun or from sunlight. This is aided by the blades, which are thin, flattened sections on those leaves. Carbon dioxide also enters through the plant's leaves in a specific part called the stomata. These are openings in the underside of the leaf. They allow 
oxygen and carbon dioxide to diffuse along the leaf. Finally, the roots extract water from the soil. The water is carried by xylem vessels, tube-like tissues, to the leaves of the plant. There, energy from the sun is used to convert the carbon dioxide and water into glucose and oxygen. This is a function of chloroplasts, organelles, basically tiny organs in the cells, that are found in plant cells. These organelles contain a chemical called chlorophyll in their membranes. Chlorophyll absorbs sunlight. After all the sugar is created, folium vessels that are located outside of the xylem vessels bring the sugar to the rest of the plant. The sugar is used to sustain the life of the plant. This is how flowers obtain nutrients and basically all other plants. With that being said, what do flowers prefer? Most angiosperms enjoy direct sunlight, but do not need rich soil. They also are very diverse, and they've colonized more habitats than any other land plant, and have almost complete worldwide distribution, excluding the southern regions of Antarctica. They are also dominant in the tropics. Flowers don't need much to be happy. This leads into the importance of angiosperms. Because they are so widely distributed, they must have an important role in ecosystems. In fact, flowers are an important food source for many organisms. Organic compounds found in angiosperms serve as the only source of food and energy for most heterotrophs. Sorry, heterotrophs. I am very sorry if I said that wrong. These are organisms that require an organic source of carbon that has originated from another organism. On top of this, some angiosperms even produce fruit. Not only are they a source of food, they also supply nesting materials for many birds and mammals. They can even act as the nest itself. Many primates, reptiles, and amphibians rely on angiosperms for shelter. Now that's something I didn't know. They also interact in other ways with others in their ecosystems. An example is with pollinators. Flowers receive pollination services from these animals, including, but not limited to, bees, butterflies, moths, flies, wasps, birds, bats, and beetles. The six I just named are in fact some of the most common pollinators. The relationship between pollinators and angiosperms is mutualistic. The plant has a way to spread its seeds and the pollinators receive a food source. In case you were wondering, as a pollinator carries the pollen away on its feet, for example, some pollen falls off, sprinkling over the ground below. Another example is that some insects, such as the yucca moth, lay eggs within the flowers that they pollinate. There are also a few non-mutualistic interactions with flowers. Certain types of insects can remove nectar and consume it without pollinating the plant. It also works the other way around. Some angiosperms carry a smell similar to the scent of a mate. This attracts bugs, and while trying to, you know, um, mate, they uh, pollinate the flower. Of course, many more interactions happen with angiosperms and other organisms, but they are far more complicated. I didn't really find much else. So let's look into a few types of angiosperms. On our list today, we have the corpse flower and the flora de murto to discuss. For starters, the corpse flower. Its scientific name is Amorphialis titanium. 
And from its nickname, the corpse flower, you can guess what it smells like. The carcass of a dead animal. This smell is produced to attract beetles and flesh flies that will pollinate the plant. Yeah, very attractive smell. And an added bonus is that it is huge. Its inflorescence can reach up to 9 feet in height. That is one tall angiosperm. You can find these flowers native in the equatorial rainforests of Sumatra or planted in many botanical gardens worldwide. Uh, and next up we have the flower of the dead or forgive me. I don't know how to speak Spanish, so this might sound terrible. Um, La Flor de Muerto. Um, and this plant's scientific name is Lysianthus. Based off of its name, you probably guess that it looks dead. Its petals, leaves, fruits, seeds, and pollen are all black. The flowers also hang downward from a 2 meter, which is 6 feet, stem and they appear wilted and withered at the end. The flower also has no scent. The reason the angiosperm is black is because of a combination of pigments and light absorption. This angiosperm is the only known flower that is able to absorb all wavelengths of both ultraviolet and visible light. Now, on to fascinating and interesting facts about flowers. Did you know that centuries ago in Holland, Tulips were considered more valuable than gold. In 1593, tulips were introduced to Holland, and they soon became a symbol of wealth in the 17th century. They became very popular, and this was known as the tulip fever or tulip mania. Another fun fact is that broccoli is a flower, and some flowers, such as orchards, don't need nutrients from the soil to grow. They can get enough nutrients elsewhere, so for example, in the air. Some flowers produce toxic smells and substances that can kill surrounding plants. Sunflowers, for example, produce these toxins. There are some species of angiosperms that can do some pretty cool things. For example, the gas plant emits a very strong lemony vapor that can become inflamed on a hot summer night. The lotus plant can also remain dormant or asleep for years during a drought. It finally wakes up when water returns. And ancient civilizations used juice produced by bluebells to make glue. Clearly, flowers are amazing. But every amazing thing has some sort of rival. In this case, it's coniferous. This type of plant is suited for dry and cool habitats. Coniferous are gymnosperms and are poor competitors to angiosperms but it's still something as angiosperms don't have many competitors an example of this poor competition is the fact that angiosperms don't tend to live in areas where gymnosperms do even so they may compete for land or space in forest canopies now why exactly are coniferers poor competitors and what qualities make them competitors to angiosperms in the first place well as stated previously gymnosperms can't survive in many habitats and are not as good as reproducing or growth compared to angiosperms compared to gymnosperms angiosperms have a fast growth rate angiosperms are this way by simply being better able to adapt to changes in the climate in the early stages of evolution Another reason is an increase in diversity in angiosperms in the Cretaceous period.
but it is still uncertain how this dominance arised. Even so, coniferous are still the only major competitor to angiosperms. They live in many habitats that are not favored by flowers, and they are simply better adapted to dry or cold climates. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening. And once again, I'm very sorry for the late episode. It was very much delayed, and I've been pretty busy the past few months with um, science fair projects. And as I stated previously, I was sick.